1: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes
3: and fees may vary.
1: You know, unemployment is a benefit for people who can't get a job. And you had a job and chose not to have it. It's really going to be an interesting um, parallel because everybody's been praising the first responders. People have been praising people at Walgreens and Target and working at the stores that we've all needed and garbage men and utilities. Well, now's your time to go back and contribute to the economy and go back to work, and you're going to have to do it.
2: That's Tom Gimbel, founder and CEO of LaSalle Network here in Chicago. This is WBBM's In-Depth, where we take a deep dive into a story we're telling on the air. I'm Cisco Kodo This week, we continue our ongoing discussion of COVID-19 as more and more places across the country start to reopen. We'll have the latest wrinkle in the COVID conversation, the mass protests in major cities all around the U.S. We'll get the health perspective from an ER doctor. What are things looking like in the ER these days? Illinois bars and restaurants starting to open, a big focus on outdoor seating. Chicago is lagging the rest of the state. The retail industry is also navigating a new reality and starting to use robots in their operations more and more. We'll talk about the rise of retail robots amid the pandemic and what does the workplace look like when people get back on the job. Let's get all the latest, though, right off the bat on the COVID crisis with Michelle Cortez, a health reporter at Bloomberg News in Minneapolis. Michelle, we actually have some breaking news, some analysis of a drug that was highly touted as a possible, if not cure, at least a possible significant benefit in the COVID-19 cases.
0: Well, both the New England Journal of Medicine and The Lancet have put out expressions of concern about some research that they both published, separate studies, both of which showed that hydroxychloroquine was not effective against COVID-19 and might actually increase the risks. There was another study about patients who were getting ACE inhibitors and ARBs to treat their hypertension and whether that could reduce the risk of coronavirus infections. Both of those studies used data that has now been raised questions about. We're not sure if those results hold up. And so they're saying, hold up now. We don't really know about hydroxychloroquine.
2: Is that a possibility whenever you have a situation where There is a pandemic, an emergency, and and so there's kind of this rush to try to find something because so many people are being impacted.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The thing with this drug is that it's available. It's widely used for malaria. It's used for rheumatoid arthritis. A lot of people take it, and so it's on the market. There were risks with it, but we really thought that perhaps taking it for something like Coronavirus, especially in really sick people who are on the verge of death, having something that's widely available and inexpensive—a generic—might be great. And then questions arose about it can affect your heart rhythm and it can cause sudden death in a certain number of people. So then there's the pendulum swung back to oh my gosh, don't take it outside of the clinical trial. And now it's just up in up in up in flames again we, we just don't know we're waiting for trials hopefully they'll come soon
2: let's talk about the protests that have been happening not only here in chicago but all around the country is there a fear among medical professionals that you know we're still in a pandemic that this is only going to increase the spread
0: there's absolutely fear these protests are happening in masses there are thousands of people out there also a lot of these people who are protesting uh, certainly, they have been joined by some of their white peers, but also it's a lot of minorities and the minority population that has been devastated by coronavirus. It just seems to hit them harder. There is fewer, um, you know, another piece of the racial inequality. They don't get the same kind of level of health care. We have seen studies from the American Heart Association, the American Cancer Society that shows unequivocally that minorities are hurt more by this virus. So you're in close quarters. Also, people are shouting and chanting. That's the kind of thing that that pushes out this respiratory virus. So it could be absolutely catastrophic. On the other hand, we're outdoors. A lot of people are wearing masks. So hopefully some of those steps will decrease the chances that you're carrying the virus and passing it along to your Your, you know, colleagues in arms, I guess, out there on the streets. But be careful when you go home.
2: And then when you go home, yeah, there's a chance that they might live with relatives who are older and may react even more negatively to the virus. And so if they get it at one of the protests or demonstrations, they might take it home to that older relative.
0: Exactly. And those older relatives are are absolutely the ones who are the most vulnerable to this and we don't want to overwhelm our healthcare systems. system we don't want to keep this virus alive and circulating among our communities so people really do have to be very careful some places like chicago and minneapolis are urging protesters to self-quarantine certainly give yourself some space from your older relatives you know try not to you know if you're carrying some kind of a virus you don't want to infect them but also if testing is available avail yourself to that
2: those large crowds are concerning doctors for sure especially er doctors let's talk to one of them right now dr chris colbert is with us he is not only an er doctor he is also director of the emergency medicine residency program at uic dr colbert what do doctors think as they look out and see all of those crowds gathered
3: hey so, again, thanks for having me. Uh, you know, there are some recommendations that we are making. Um, number one, face mask. Um, and our humble suggestion as well is to use hand sanitizer, take hand sanitizer with you. It, it's, it's somewhat unrealistic to ask for six feet. Um, if at all possible, to maintain three feet of distance. And if you are sick in any way, shape, or form, please refrain from demonstrating.
2: So what are you seeing in ER rooms these days? Are you still seeing COVID patients? What are you seeing? You
3: no, know, We are seeing COVID patients and it's, it's there's, a, there's a very nice return to what we're seeing as in we're seeing our regular patients that have chest pain, that have abdominal pain as well. At one point, they, those patients did not feel comfortable coming into the emergency room due to the COVID concern. Um, now with the specific policies and better triage as well, where we have a better way of identifying those patients and making it more of a comfortable place for patients to come to the ER to seek medical management.
2: Because was that one of the dangers during the height of the pandemic, is people who otherwise would have come to the emergency room did not?
3: That was a huge concern. It was, and, and a very honest concern for patients as well, um, is, is the transmission of COVID in high-risk populations or settings, i.e. hospitals or large populations, i.e. protests um, and or large graduations. The the higher you increase the people together, the increased risk of uh, transmission.
2: So as far as uh, the ERs, are you getting COVID patients there? Is that still something that's a concern?
3: We're still getting COVID patients and we are definitely still remain on high alert for those patients. Um, We are definitely getting COVID patients. Um, We are having a more of a more of a control over what comes into the ED as well.
2: Not only are ER doctors worried about protests, but they are also worried about the fact that the economy is opening up. It's essential to get businesses going again, but doing it in a controlled way seems wise. One of the people doing that is Frank Ruffalo. He is managing partner at Il Culicino Restaurant by McCormick Place. They also have several other locations Frank, good to have you with us. Kind of talk about the fact that you have several locations and you know, not each one is probably the same as far as reopening.
4: The most trickiest uh, location I have is right at the end of the Central Business District by McCormick Place. Um, so that's Il Culacino. And that one, we're like right at the, the beginning of the barricade. So that's kind of the trickiest spot. The rest of the locations, we are all opening up along with Il Culacino. We're just going to play it extra safe. Um, making sure our, our employees and guests can get in and out. We're kind of, you know, we're classified in the, in the central business district for now, but. We are very close to a lot of residential, so that's why we're making that decision just to go ahead, and open up, and hopefully we get some walk-in business because, you know, some people, it's been pretty secure down here. Um, you know, they're just ready to get out and, and get out of their cooped-up house or a condo or wherever they live.
2: You say make things safer for the customers. What does that look like? Someone who maybe experienced the restaurants before and are now coming back, what might they notice that's different?
4: You know what, we're really uh, on top of limiting the capacity. We just want to make sure that if people, you know, have to have the, the move to just leave and they don't feel safe, no problem. We're, we're not going to penalize them. There's not going to be any issues if you're leaving. If you give us your order and you decide, hey, you know what, I don't feel comfortable, you know, that's okay. We have to respect everyone right now during this time. Um, you know, we don't want them to, to feel uncomfortable now and then not come back. And so we want to make sure we're overly cautious on everything. Um, if people don't want to sit in a certain spot or they don't feel like staying, like I said, then, you know, we'll, we'll abide by it and, and let.
2: And they're going to see employees, waiters, waitresses with masks on the whole time?
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. So everyone's going to have masks on from uh, our dishwasher that's going to have a mask and a face shield and gloves all the way down to a busboy and even our hostess. So safety is going to be paramount with that. Um, you know, we're limiting salt and pepper shakers. We, you know, we don't really have to wrap up people's food unless they want us to wrap it. We'd be more than happy to give them the container. Um, you know, Italian restaurants, you always give out bread, so we're going to be really cautious on bread. We're going to do it upon request and and obviously make sure that, um, you know, no one's going to be serving them cheese or olive oil. They can do that all themselves. So, you know, obviously we're a fine dining restaurant and people are going to come and expect to be served, but we are going to give a little bit more freedom to the customers where, you know, they, they can do whatever they would like on their own so we don't have to overextend ourselves. Um, We're going to have some touch-free checkout options so they can scan a QR code with their phone. Um, And then we're also doing the same thing with the menu. So the menu will be able to be scanned with the QR code um, and they can look at it on their mobile device if that's what they prefer.
2: Does the menu change now that you're trying to reopen? Do, Do you have to scale back and maybe not offer as much as you used to?
4: Um, you know, we are going to be still offering the full menu. We're just going to play it tighter to the chest as far as prepping and inventory. And if I need a delivery every day or every two days, um, you know, that's fine. We always have fresh inventory anyways. We're we're not just a type of people who order one time for a month and freeze everything. All of our stuff is fresh. So it's just going to be more labor on our staff side because they're going to have to, you know, prep daily and, and just make sure that um, we're we're not going crazy because we don't know how much business we're going to get.
2: How important is it to get back open and just get some cash flow from those people who are wanting to dine in instead of getting food at the curb or something like that?
4: You know, I think that's definitely a major um, component to it. But more than anything is we want people to be able to enjoy themselves a little bit and just change their environment. And we want to let people know that we're part of the community and, and we don't plan on going anywhere. So, you know, even if you come in and and just to say hello, and, and maybe still do that carry out because you feel safer going home. Then, then we'll do that. But you know, as long as we can get our employees coming back in, um, being able to to pay them, and everyone's coming in safely, and there's no injuries or, or issues on the way here, then then we're content with that.
2: On nights that it's raining, you, you have something up where people can still dine in, or are you only going to be able to do this on nice nights?
4: So the the nice thing is about El Coluccino is we put in a fully retractable roof and wall system. Um, so on a night when it's raining, we can close that roof and, and hopefully still serve guests as long as it's it's not torrential downpour. Um, so we were kind of uh, forward-thinking with that, that we were planning on doing this anyways when we first opened, and it just happened to kind of time itself out where outdoors is the only way you can have someone dine in your space right now.
2: Big changes to restaurants as they reopen. Many of those changes may be permanent. And the same goes for retail stores as they get ready to reopen Stephen Keith Platt, Director and Research Fellow at the Platt Retail Institute in Hinsdale, joined WBBM's Rob Hart on the Noon Business Hour.
5: Stephen, welcome back to the program. Uh, when we're talking about retail robots, uh, what types of technologies will be applied in the retail space and how will we see them, say, when we're at the grocery store or the mall?
6: Sure Rob, um good afternoon. Thanks for having me on. So, um there's about 8 different uh types of robots being deployed currently. They range from autonomous floor scrubbers to what we call shelf audit robots that scan for price consistency, misplaced items, uh out of stocks, etc. Uh, as well as in the back of the store, you're starting to see uh, automation being deployed to uh, fill online orders so that the retail can automate that whole process rather than doing it manually. So uh, COVID has really uh, uh, expedited the move toward a lot of grocers thinking about how to automate the process.
5: Now, how many human employees would these, uh, these retail robots displace?
6: Well, Rob, we don't really like to think about it in those terms. We really like to think about it more in terms of optimization. I mean, uh, uh, scrubbing floors, rather, is not the greatest uh, use of employee time, Um, a whole host of of other things that it then frees up uh, labor uh, to concentrate on more value-added activities.
5: And you did talk about how this is kind of forcing the application of technology or uh, robots into the retail space. And that seems to to jibe with the school of thought that uh, the COVID-19 is really an acceleration event in many ways. And that about a decade's worth of uh, economic change has been uh, sandwiched into about seven weeks of uh, of COVID-19 upheaval.
6: Yeah, no, that's a great point. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, (coughs) excuse me. It really uh, exposed a lot of uh, one underinvestment historically and two weaknesses uh, throughout the supply chain and forcing, forcing people to reckon with that. And, yeah, it's really leading to a lot, a lot of acceleration and, and, and beyond robots, uh, you know, a lot of the AI activity that we do as well.
5: Now what paint a a positive portrait of the future of a retail space where there is a, a great deal of uh, robotic technology and AI at work uh how will that uh, could could that experience lead to a much better uh, uh situation for both uh, people who work in the retail space and people who just go to the store
6: yeah I think so rob so uh, we've we've thought about what the grocery store uh, of the future is going to look like and and today, for example, the average grocer's maybe sixty thousand square feet, maybe fifty of that is dedicated to merchandise in the future it's going to be exactly the opposite uh people that like to come in and and pick their produce and their meats uh they'll be able to do so, and their can of beans and their toilet paper and anything else will be uh, picked for them automatically in the back so it'll be a much quicker experience more pleasant experience uh totally automated in terms of the things people don't really want to deal with and for that person that likes to pick out their apples uh, they'll be able to do it
2: customers in stores certainly want things to be pleasant so do employees in all workplaces and it seems like that is more and more challenging in a covid world tom gimble is here He is founder and CEO of LaSalle Network here in Chicago. A lot of people itching to get back to work, Tom, but they want to do it safely.
1: You're right, Cisco. The real dynamic that a lot of companies are facing is, are the employees that are coming back to work practicing the same safety concerns on their own that they're expecting their employers to do? Meaning, if you're going to go to bars and restaurants, and you're going to go to friends' houses, and you're going to be around people all the time, why is there a difference between that and coming into the office?
2: Now, when it comes to people who are afraid, what should they do? Is their option basically quit the job or just go back in whatever the environment is? Well, it, it, that that's really the hard part because whether it's the, the we see that our government is divided,
1: and then people want to come back and have their life back to normal again, and then you have the work dynamic. What what we're recommending is a that empo- you know we have two sides. We recommend to employers and then also uh, candidates, job seekers, and employees. But hopefully, companies are taking the necessary precautions. But at the end of the day, that you have your workspace. You wear a mask to and from work, and you're, you're very careful in the common spaces. The biggest challenge companies are facing, and I haven't heard a good uh, outline of it yet, is really the common use of a bathroom, which is what you haven't had in your home, but you will have in restaurants. So it's, there's, really, it, it's, there's no easy win on this one, Cisco.
2: And employees should be prepared for a temperature check at the door, and if you have a fever, they're going to send you right home.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of companies that are doing that. There's also a lot of companies that aren't, and they're asking people if you don't feel well to stay home. It's going to be, as we're seeing, is that in the summer months, um, the, the cases are going down. I think there's a lot of hope that summer weather is is affecting it in a positive way. And we'll see. The, the, the real fact is you can't judge your company too harshly in the beginning because everybody's figuring it out at the same time, and no one's ever dealt with this before. So before you go and complain or make posts online anonymously, is give companies the benefit of the doubt to fix situations because no one's going to be perfect at this.
2: And they have a vested interest in making sure that they're, employees stay safe as they welcome people back to the building
1: nobody wants to have them be unhealthy and have to not come into work the companies want them to do it there's just a huge unknown factor of what the right way to do it is and quite frankly even at a cost-effective method
2: So, uh, what's the advice for workers? We we already touched on the fact that uh, there are going to be challenges for a lot of workers. Uh, They should extend grace to their employers. They should realize that it's going to take a while for it to get back to normal. What about if they say, I'm still not comfortable with all of that. I want to stay at home. Should they just ask their employer, can I still keep working from home for a while? Yeah, I would say
1: that if you don't feel comfortable, you have to realize and you have to understand the employer's perspective that they may say, no, your job is required to be in the office, and then you're going to have to make a decision. But if you voluntarily quit a job that had a place for you, you are risking getting unemployment benefits. You don't just get to quit a job that's willing to pay you and then go sign up and get all the government money. It just doesn't work that way.
2: Yeah, that was actually one of my questions, an important reminder for people. If you say, my company's putting me back in my cubicle. I'm not comfortable with it. I'm leaving. You can't just go and file for unemployment.
1: No, you, you have a job. You know, unemployment is a benefit for people who can't get a job. And you had a job and chose not to have it. It's really going to be an interesting um, parallel because everybody's been praising the first responders. People have been praising people at Walgreens and Target and working at the stores that we've all needed and garbage men and utilities. Well, now's your time to go back and contribute to the economy and go back to work, and you're going to have to do it.
2: It will be interesting as people begin going back to work. Thank you, Tom Gimbel, founder and CEO of sound network and thank you for joining us for the wbbm in-depth podcast be sure to join us next week for another edition we'll take a deep dive into a story we're telling on the air and be sure to subscribe to receive this free podcast every wednesday you can listen anytime for the stories that matter by listening to wbbm on the radio.com app or on your radio thanks for joining us i'm cisco codo